The basic solar panels in the U.S. also have an issue with degradation. There's such a wide range of degradation, just I'll make a general comment. So after 12 to 15 years, they're generating somewhere between 50 to 60 percent of their original power. Our thin film does not degradate as quickly or minimally. In space, it actually might not degradate after the first 10 to 12 months. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast is Schwerd Consulting. Schwerd Consulting is a leading solar consulting firm dedicated to design, engineering, owner's representation, and technical consulting in all areas of solar, photovoltaics, and energy storage for the commercial, industrial, and utility markets. At Schwerd Consulting, they like to say, we know solar, we just don't do solar. What sets them apart is their 100% focus on solar, while having an extensive background in building and utility engineering and understanding the business of our clients. We're, they're involved with the trends, technologies, vendors, policies, utilities, codes, and financial considerations for the industry. Therefore, value add for them is not just a slogan, it's what they practice in order to have a loyal customer base and gain trust. Short Consulting has been in business for nine years and has provided services for approximately one gigawatt of PV across over 800 sites in 17 states plus the Caribbean. Let Schwerd Consulting take the burden off of you and bring ease and expertise in all areas of engineering and design or help you navigate the technical world of solar. If you're interested in learning more about Schwerd Consulting, you call them at 215-219-6718. That's 215-219-6718 or email to admin at schwerdconsulting.com. Schwerd Consulting's website is www.schwerd.com. Consulting.com. We'll also have that in the notes of the podcast. I've known Steve for 15 years. Him and his team does an amazing job with their clients, and I appreciate him supporting the podcast. And he's also been on several episodes of the Solar Maverick podcast. So definitely check it out through our catalog. And thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm excited to have Paul Worley. He's the CEO of Accent Solar Technologies. If you're not familiar with Accent, they have basically a thin film product is the solar power solution for scenarios where traditional rigid panels won't work. Paul has extensive experience in corporate finance. And it's funny, but we used to actually work at the same company at different times at the Wooden Touche. Before he came to Accent, was president of Worley and Company, which was a strategic advisory firm, which provided executive management service, capital advisory, and M&A. Before he had his own company, he was at Deloitte Corporate Finance, where he focused on alternate energy industry as a managing director and chief compliance officer. And before Deloitte and Touche, he was managing director and region manager for GE Capital. And he also worked as a senior vice president with Bank of America and Bankers Trust. Paul, I mean, this is amazing experience that you have in a lot of different sectors 
years. And I know you came in as the CFO initially in January, and now you took over the reins of CEO. Can you tell us about Accent Solar Technologies? Yes. So we specialize in lightweight solar, thin film solar. Effective. What our advantages are in space, we are five to 10 times lighter than our competitors. And the advantage that really gives us is the cost of getting the solar to orbit you pay per kilogram. So if we're lighter, you could potentially put more satellites on a rocket and take it into space because we're so much more lighter. In addition, we're much more flexible. So for instance, you can use our product, you can roll it up, or if you're using a competitor's product, you might have two folds of the product. We could add an extra fold and still be 30 to 40% wide. Oh, that's amazing. That's a huge differentiator, especially when you talk about weight and then the ability to transport it because it's flexible, not rigid. Can you talk about some of the applications of it? I know the company has worked with NASA in the past and there's so many different uses of the product, but how you're really focusing the company's strategy on space? So we're focusing in a couple of areas. Some of your listeners may have read about certain things that have come out about power generation in space and bringing it back to Earth. So we're looking into that market, but then in general, we're looking at just regular satellites. A lot of the market is now being driven by strategically placing one or two satellites. And to do that, you really need a light product to more strategically place the satellite. And so we're, we're looking at that market extensively also because the other products tend to be heavier and are a little bit more difficult to do that with. That makes a lot of sense and I appreciate you explaining. I know we just talked about space, but what are the other uses of the product that are pretty popular? We also are looking at agrivoltaics. As you saw the announcement yesterday, we've applied for a grant and we were told to apply for the full grant. That'll be decided next May, June timeframe, but we've applied for that. And we're strategically looking at places where there's a high power rate and there are shortages of water because what this product does is it'll manufacture or produce power. Typically, we're looking at behind the grid. So you produce power behind the grid that would supply the power needs to the farm. It also, through the process we're anywhere from 18 to 25 feet above ground. It tends to provide some shading, but still allows 90 plus percent of the light to come through, which reduces the amount of water being used by the farmers. So it reduces that cost also. So you're able to give it shading, generate electricity, less than water consumption, dual use of that farmland as well. I know agrivoltaics is becoming a lot more popular. So that's really interesting. As you said, it was eight to 10 feet above the crops and actually have some great pictures on your website about it. We tend to be a little higher than that. If it was all hand done, you're correct. It could be 8, 10 feet, but if they're using any equipment, it could be 18 to 22. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you explaining that. You talked about the U.S. Department of Energy encouraging you to apply for the full DOE grant, which is great that the government is putting a lot of incentives and things like agrovotech. Will there be a time where it's as cost effective or producing the same amount of wattage as a regular paddle? Or what do you see as a sort of future state? Then film is obviously a lot easier to use and transport. It'll be interesting to get 
get your perspective on that. Because I don't think a lot of people are familiar with thin film as much as your typical solar panel. And we have like a wide range of listeners who listen to the podcast at different levels in the renewable energy sector. That's a loaded question, but <laughs> so we're kind of looking at our product a couple of different ways. There's the original efficiency. Am I going to be able to get it to the same efficiency as a solar panel? I would say that would be an admirable goal, but that may take us a while. Sure. But the basic solar panels in the U.S. also have an issue with degradation. There's such a wide range of degradation. Just I'll make a general comment. So after 12 to 15 years, they're generating somewhere between 50 to 60 percent of their original power. So what we're also looking at is that our thin film does not degradate as quickly or minimally. In space, it actually might not degradate after the first 10 to 12 months. There'll be some additional tests done to prove that out. But if that's the case, then in space, we can put something up there called 17 to 18 percent efficiency. Our competitor starts off at 25 to 30% efficient, but after five years, they're at 11% and we could still be around 15. Then it also would stay up there longer to allow satellites to stay up long. So on the ground, what could happen is, yes, ours might be a little bit more expensive, but when it's installed, I don't ever picture it being installed on ground, ground mounted or something like that. I don't see that happening, you know, the next 10 to 15 years. Potentially, you could use it on buildings. That could be something that was five to 10 years out, but then it would stay there and would keep generating power a lot longer than you can do with a regular panel. That's one of the ambitions we're looking at. Yeah, that's really helpful. And for our audience who might not be familiar with the difference, that's really helpful. On your website, you talked about uses of your technology for unmanned aerial vehicles and defense and emergency. Can you talk a little about those uses of your product? I can, to some degree. In fact, classmate of mine at the Citadel gave me a lecture on this a couple months ago. One of the issues with unmanned drones now is about 95% of them get shot down because of the IR that's being used to, and they detect it. So the use of solar on those is, I would say, limited in the fact you just want to make it go to your target and you can go deeper because the solar will allow to give it power to go farther distances. But the old adage of then you would get it to turn around and come back so you could reuse it, since only about 5%, 10% are making it back, that's not necessarily a positive anymore. For sure. Why would you invest that technology if you're not going to be able to reuse it? That makes a lot of sense. I know you mentioned a little bit about this, but how does the scent solar differentiate from its competitors? You mentioned two different reasons, but I think it would be great if you could dive in deeper into it. Okay. In space, we're really focusing on our weight, which we're five to 10 times less weight than our competitors. That's the primary area. So then it costs a lot less. Then we're looking at the original efficiency. We're trying to raise that. We've had a lot of success. 10 years ago, we tested a little around 10 to 10 and a half percent efficient, and we just tested some small area cells at 15 and a half percent efficiency. So we've had a big improvement. We're working on ways to get it up closer to 17 to 18 percent. And then we're based on NASA and some other scientific studies. Our solar should not degradate nearly the rate that any of our competitors do. 
So if we prove that out, then that'll really open up some markets for us, for people that want to keep their satellites in the air. Small satellites at lower orbits are designed to stay in space for approximately five years. So if we can increase that to seven to eight years or 10 years, then that's be a big help. So that's done a couple of ways. A lot of the new engines that are put on the satellites are electric thrusters. So if the electric thrusters can activate several times and they're used to do two things, get out of the way of debris and to keep it in orbit. So if we're able to keep it in orbit longer because of our charges, then we can keep it in orbit longer so you don't have to replace a $10 million satellite every five years. You're saying that the satellite would be able to stay there longer based on having the solar. And then also it seems like, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, like there's a lot more satellites going into orbit will create more opportunities for product. Is that correct? That would be a fair state, yes. If you look at some projections, there'll be potentially anywhere from five to 10 times the amount of satellites put into space between now and 2030. That's pretty amazing. And obviously the things that you talked about, your product and how it differentiates from others for use in space, primarily I'm assuming for satellites, right? I mean, I guess it could be used for rockets and space shuttles and stuff. I mean, there's more opportunity with satellites. Yeah, it typically takes too much energy to get a rocket into space carrying payload. That'll be more difficult to do with electricity. Now, there's some other technologies out there. There's a couple of groups out there that are looking at putting them on a runway-based product that would take it up and come back down. And then there's another group that is looking at technology that will put it up using technology, but it does not use carbon-based fuels to get it into space. As far as like purchasing your product, do people directly purchase the product through you or through distributors? Or how does that normally work? We're contracting directly with the user. Oh, with the user. We don't run the distributor. That's very helpful to understand. And what do you see as a future for Ascent Solar? I know you talked a little bit about obviously space being a big commitment for the future. Now you have fresh eyes into the company. You started as CFO in January and took over as CEO recently. What do you see for the future of the company? When I took over as CEO, I clearly pivoted the company in two directions, and that is in space and aerospace and some in agrivoltaics. And that's where we're concentrating and that's where we think the future. I can't get into too much more specifics because we're publicly traded, but that's the full. Yeah, that would be helpful. Like if people want to learn more, like what exchange and what's the ticker symbol for Ascent? ASTI. Okay, ASTI. And it's traded on the NASDAQ, is that correct? NASDAQ, yeah. Okay. It was interesting because Paul and I were talking about what the announcement from the DOE about putting the application in, how that created a lot of positive volatility for the stock. And I know, obviously, since it's publicly traded, there's limitations on what you could say. A lot of limitations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This has been an amazing podcast. Is there anything that we haven't spoke about that we should know about your company? I mean, to me, like what you're doing is like innovative and groundbreaking then film and hearing like how you're differentiating yourself to take advantage of the opportunity in space and agrivoltaics is pretty exciting. Is there anything else about the company that we should know about or our listeners should know about? I don't really have anything else, Benoit. I appreciate the opportunity having you. 
interview. Thank you for being on the podcast. If people want to learn more about your company, like what's the best way for them to do that? To visit our website, they can have direct links into financials, new information that we post and uh, other channels. It has our board on there. It has our PR and our contacts also. That sounds great. We'll have that in the notes of the podcast as well. Paul, thank you for making time. This interview is a great interview and a great way of people to learn about your company. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And tell oh, Peter and Arlene I said hi. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Paul's talking about actually two people that we worked with at Deloitte Intuition. As you know, uh, Paul, like it's about relationships and it's amazing how small of a world I actually was telling Paul that I worked for Marlene during my MBA and then I came out as a full-time employee. And Peter just recently graduated from his MBA program. So we worked a lot together and it's amazing. Like seven years later, right? It was 2010 from what I've worked with them that you worked with them. It's just amazing how everyone's still kind of in touch in still in the sector and still working together potentially. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Benoit. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown. 